you. I am um, very honored to uh, stand here. I'm very honored to stand here every time I stand here. Um, yeah. Um, but I didn't expect. Uh, I invited Sylvia this week to be with us in this place and to be with us as we prepare to celebrate today. And you are honoring her so beautifully, and I am very moved. Thank you. And so, um, let us begin with a reading of the obituary. Sylvia Rivera, Stonewall Riot veteran and lifelong activist for transgendered people, died during the dawn hours of February 19, 2002 at New York's St. Vincent's Hospital of complications from cancer of the liver. She was 50 years old. Born July 2, 1951, her activism developed after leaving home at age 11 and finding herself in the Times Square subculture of the 1960s. The harassment of gay persons, in particular, the flamboyant, gender-variant people such as herself, led her to become a staunch, proud, completely unrepentant, and non-compromising advocate for drag queens, transvestites, transsexuals, and other gender-variant people throughout her life. She was present and participated in the Stonewall Riots, which became the determining event in her life. She often remarked about how what had started as just another gay bar raid by the police took on such mythical significance for the development of the gay rights movement. She joined the Gay Activists Alliance in February of 1970 and threw herself into the effort to pass the New York City Gay Rights Bill. Later, she literally scaled the walls of City Hall in a dress and spiked heels in an attempt to gain access to the closed door votes on the original bill. She was arrested. Her first major deception at the hands of the gay movement occurred when drag rights were specifically excluded from that bill to make it more palatable to the straight people and to reflect the assimilationist attitude of the gay rights movement at that time. This betrayal was a lesson she carried with her in all her future activism. In the early days of gay civil rights movement, Rivera was repeatedly used to front possibly dangerous demonstrations and then shunted aside by assimilationist leaders when the press arrived. In the early 1970s, Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Pay It No Mind Johnson co-founded Star Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries. Originally, it was Street Transvestite Actual Revolutionaries, an organization designed to achieve rights for her community and provide social services to this largely ignored and stigmatized group. 
For a short while, she and Marsha P. Johnson ran Star House, which provided shelter for homeless young street queens. Rivera never lost her dream of creating a supportive and safe living space for young transgender people. Rivera was greatly disillusioned by the desire of many early gay and lesbian activists to distance the gay movement from transvestites, drag queens, and other gender variant people, in spite of the fact that these people were often the shock troops for the entire gay community. Leaving New York City, she passed the latter part of the 70s until the early 90s in another place. She remained in contact with the gay political movement, but limited her participation largely to Pride Week activities each year. In the early 1990s, Rivera's life fell apart due to substance abuse problems, and she found herself back in New York City, homeless, on the Christopher Street piers. She often described this period in very positive terms, pointing out that a group of homeless gay people living on the piers were able to survive by working together and sharing the food and the shelter which they could find for themselves. Rivera was banned from the Gay and Lesbian Community Center in New York City because of her agitation at the center on a freezing winter evening when she demanded assistance for the homeless gay people living nearby on those piers. The ban on her participation in the center activities was lifted only in 2000. Sylvia Rivera was a marcher in the original Christopher Street Liberation Day March in 1970 and participated proudly every year thereafter in what later became the New York Heritage of Pride Parade. In 1997, she joined the Transy House Collective in Park Slope. At Transy House, she helped provide financial assistance and counseling support for young transgender people in the process of transition until the time of her death. She was able to resume her total commitment to political activism on behalf of transgender and homeless people during her time in this collective, and she received requests for speaking engagements from transgender and gay groups all over the world and was particularly popular with young people, her children, as she called them. Sylvia Rivera's literary profile in Martin Duberman's best-selling book, Stonewall, as well as chapters in other books and magazines, made many people aware of her uncompromising and totally committed focus on civil rights for all people. Rivera received Lifetime Achievement Awards from many organizations, including the Puerto Rican Gay and Lesbian Association of New York. She was recognized by MCC New York with a recognition for lifetime activism, starting with Stonewall. Literally hours before her death in her hospital room at St. Vincent's, Rivera met with a delegation from the Empire State Pride Agenda to negotiate for inclusion of transgender rights in the current Human Rights Ordinance Bill that was pending then in the New York State Legislature. Restricted to her bed, attached to tubes and monitors in severe pain, she was determined not to let the mainstream gays get their rights at the expense of the trans community one more time. In recent years, Sylvia Rivera became an active member of Metropolitan Community Church of New York, where she was the director of the food service program for people in the community and a leader in the MCC New York Gender People Program. The support of the church was very important to the political work she carried on in her later years. Sylvia Rivera was an inspiration to several generations of GLBT activists around the world. The funeral services were held at MCC New York Church on 36th Street on February 26, 2002. 
the service was followed by a memorial in front of the Stonewall Inn from which her ashes were carried in a horse-drawn carriage to the Christopher Street Piers amidst wild dancing, carnival-like celebration, wild gyrations and songs in the streets. There were jazz trumpeters and saxophonists. It was a wild and fabulous procession. And when we arrived at the Christopher Street Piers, the young people took the funeral wreaths and they placed them near the spot where Sylvia's longtime fellow activist, Marsha P. Johnson, had died. So, strange to read an obituary as the opening piece for your Sunday worship gathering? Perhaps, but maybe not so much. I was thinking about how every time we arrive here on this holy ground, we arrive here because someone, actually many someones, had no greater love than to lay their lives down for their friends. We arrive on this holy ground to celebrate the one who spoke those words into being and provided the light upon the path so that we too might make our way upon it. That revolutionary act that we celebrate Sunday by Sunday, that turning the world upside down act, that turning the world inside out act, that making something new that has never been before erupt into the universe act, that Jesus the Christ lived into the world and not one of us is the same sense. That revolutionary act is not the only one. In fact, we hear in the scriptures even today about multiple stories of revolutionary acts that make way for this day. I'm going to ask you for a moment, just because I'll call myself out, who's the revolutionary in our act story today? Is it Philip? Is it the Ethiopian eunuch? How many revolutionary acts can you count in our story today? Well, just because it's kind of my job and I knew I was going to show up here, I spent a little time actually thinking about this stuff, and I think that I just might share a couple of my thoughts. I don't mean to step over you, but... <sighs> so there was Philip. We might remember that he was among those at Pentecost. He was among those who had gathered and experienced a revolution the likes of which they had not experienced quite like that before. The reality of Jesus' death and ascension 
And the promise that Jesus had made that the Spirit would be poured out on all flesh became real in his very lived presence. And he, like many who were there, were scattered after that. They were so filled with the wonder and the awe of that experience that they traveled far and wide and many wonderful things happened. They were filled with the Spirit, we might say. They healed and they taught and they inspired. They wandered near and far, glorying in that wash of incredible spiritual blessing. And it was good. And he had travel plans, you see, because after he got used to it for a little bit, he had some ideas about who would benefit from this particular word and where he might go to share it. He figured he would participate in the planning with the Holy Spirit. And so he set out on his way. And yet, something happened. He was interrupted in his travel plans and somehow was able to listen enough to hear the voice of God redirect him, turn him around, actually send him the totally opposite direction. It all went south from there. That's kind of funny, just a little bit. He was headed north, you know, it said he went south. Anyway. So it all had, went south from there. He went a totally different direction, and it wasn't just any direction. He headed into the wilderness at that point. How many prospects for wonderful moments of spiritual interaction and the ability to share his blessing might there be there? Maybe not so much. And yet he went. And he went this different direction, a completely opposite way. He listened to the voice of God. He was in the wilderness. And then he encountered another. For there, riding in that coach, that carriage, was an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, whatever we do or don't understand about this, this much we might be able to comprehend. Ethiopians were understood at that time simply to be those who lived in that other place far, far away who are not like us. It was a national designation and then some. It was like saying third world country. He was a third world country person. And then the author of Acts makes sure that we hear that word eunuch five different times. The eunuch, the eunuch, the eunuch, the eunuch. The eunuch is a phrase that is in our scripture texts, and we are aware, are we not, that eunuchs are our peoples. So let me make it plain. Eunuchs are people who are not traditionally gendered. Eunuchs are people who by accident, circumstance, or choice find themselves not having gender which corresponds to society's designation of how genitals are supposed to match gender presentation. And yes, the Bible's that specific. Eunuchs are people who do not fit into the pure, understood gender life of the society. And so there's Philip in the wilderness encountering the 
third world gender queer man. And what happens? He hears the voice of God again, saying, draw near, and he does. And he actually listens to the voice of the eunuch, and he hears that the eunuch is actually engaging in the scriptures that are part of Philip's own religious tradition. And he asks a question. He says, do you understand what you are reading? And he is invited by the eunuch. Come on in and sit down next to me. Let us read and ride together. Who's the revolutionary? How many revolutionary acts? They read and ride for a while, and then the eunuch says, what's to keep me? What's to keep me? What's to keep me from being baptized? And he doesn't wait for an answer. And Philip doesn't give one. Together, they get out of the carriage and go into the water together. Philip is a revolutionary. A whole series of revolutionary acts to be willing to let go, to lay down our life, to lay down the plans that we have, the glory that we might enjoy, our openness of heart to the mystery of God, to go where we have not gone before, to listen to voices that we do not generally converse with, to engage with questions whether the, rather than describing and assuming that he knew the truth and it was his job to tell the eunuch how to understand these texts that were his revolutionary acts, climbing in beside him, journeying along with him, having relationship with him, not telling him all the rules and regulations that would keep him from the relationship with God that he sought, revolutionary ministry. And yet, I will offer our Ethiopian eunuch, because he did not end up there without a whole series of revolutionary acts. He made a very long journey out of his familiar lands. He crossed borders where he knew he would be less than welcome. He went to worship in a place where the best he could hope for would be to sit on the outer margins, literally blocked from the house of worship by walls and categories of worship placing, placings, and he went anyway. And he took a book into his hands that had been used in many ways to tell him he was unclean, unfit, impure, and he read it for himself. And he engaged that book with questioning and seeking, and he discovered in its pages pictures, stories, ideas that reflected his own face. He did not wait for someone to tell him he could find himself there. He looked himself and declared it so. Many of the interpreters, because, well, that's another story about who gets to be interpreters of the text. Many of the interpreters 
really focus on this, who can keep me from being baptized as if he's asking permission. People of God, you know better. Let's use some common sense. When you say, who can keep me? <laughs> what are you saying? I know the answer already, and the answer is nobody, so you better keep your mouth quiet. We know that kind of sense. And so I want us to reclaim the revolutionaries in all of us. The revolutionaries that we can be if we have made the path like Philip. And the revolutionaries that are our brothers and sisters that make the path like the Ethiopian eunuch. Who are coming into our midst and challenging us not to give us a place in our midst but to be converted by the truth of God that they have already discovered that we might be baptized with them anew. Philip had been baptized by water and by spirit, and yet there was more for him, and God made sure he had it. He put him on a road he would never usually take, and he made sure he got in a carriage with someone who would teach and show him what real revolutionary love looked like. It looked like claiming ourselves. I don't think it's any particular uh, accident that our Ethiopian eunuch happened to work for the queens. I do not think it is an accident that he was in charge of the riches and the treasures of her regime. He was very clear about who he was, a man of dignity and wealth, royalty already, traveling the road of his own relationship with God and inviting Philip to go down into the water with him. When I asked Sylvia, who I did minister with for a period of time at MCC New York, and was there for her last parts of her life. I asked her to give me some direction about what I might say today. I read her obituary because I'm not, she told me basically I can't speak for her. The obituary, the obituary was written by her loved ones, and so I needed to use their words to tell you about her life, because that is not my privilege. What she did say to me is this, do what you wanna do, that's your thing. But if you're gonna invoke my name in that place, don't just talk. If you're talking about revolutionary acts, then ask those people to make some revolutionary acts. I said, like what, Sylvia? She was very specific. She said, this is Pride Month. Ask them how much money they spend celebrating pride. How many drinks they buy and buy for others, how many t-shirts they collect, how many uh, gay pride jewelry pieces, baseball caps, swag items, how many things that they spend money on to celebrate this anniversary of Stonewall. And tell them Sylvia would like them to honor her by adding one more dollar and sending a donation in that amount to my children at Sylvia's place or at Grace Place are two of the options, one in Houston, one at MCC New York, as a way to honor that we're celebrating because she made the way. She said there are other revolutionary acts you might take, 
you can figure them out. Have you seen a hungry person lately? Have you seen a homeless person lately? Have you seen someone bullied in your midst? Are there people being diminished because of how they walk through the world fiercely being themselves? Stand up, speak up, act up, and be fabulous. <laughs> and yes, I will close now. I will close now with the short version of her obituary. Sylvia Rivera, transgender warrior, Stonewall veteran, fierce activist, relentless critic of the white gay male establishment, outspoken Puerto Rican trans woman, radical queer, social justice advocate, street transgender action revolutionary, mother of the US LGBT movement, defender of the Chelsea Piers, leader of the fight for transgender inclusion, revolutionary, lifelong advocate for a better world for all of us. Let's go into the water together. Power to all the people. Mm -hmm.